Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the Roman's Empire podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. And on a chopping block today, we have our, uh, I, I, I guess we could call them rivals since we've been playing them so often, Manchester City. Um, we'll be seeing them in a few weeks in the Champions League final, but obviously, um, and uh, we got it a very important win in the league. So here to break it down. Uh, is Andres. So Andres, how you doing, man? I'm feeling great, man. It's uh, It was a fun match. It's a good weekend. Got to spend some time with my mom today as we record on Mother's Day. Shout out so to all the moms. I got uh, also a huge win in my, with my 10-year-old team. The boys came out to play. So it was overall a great weekend. It sounds solid. My weekend was great. Um, I spent a, I spent the day with my mom, which was nice. And then, uh, obviously, the Chelsea win helped. And currently, the Lakers are winning, too, So, in a must-win game. So that's always important. But, Andres, I mean, we can kind of go through the whole team here. Um, that's kind of the way I built the script because I feel like everybody deserves a little mention one way or another. So just going through the lineup, uh, we had Mendy starting goal. Dave returned into the back three uh, on the right-hand side. Christensen in the middle, Rudiger on the left. Um, a midfield pivot of Conte and Billy Gilmore. Uh, wingbacks Marcus Alonso comes in for Chilwell. Reese James obviously steps in for Aspie. Um, Pulisic uh, as the left inside 10. Ziyech as the right inside 10. And Werner up the middle. Um, so before we kind of get into uh, the lineups um, specifically, Ron asked us a question. He said, can we talk about how we played a mostly reserved team and still for the most part, outplayed them. Uh, I kind of agree with Ron here, Andres. I think in the second, in the first half, we were definitely the ones outplayed. But in the second half, I think we were a, a class above City. Granted, we got a few lucky decisions our way. What do you think? Well, I, I also have to point out and, and bring us back down to earth slightly. I think only four of the typical starters for City started this match. I think I, they had nine changes. Yeah, I mean, so did um, yeah, we. Ron, Ron mentioned it. No, no Tiago, no Mason Mount, no uh, Havertz, so no Jorginho or Kovacic either. So, so yeah, both very rotated sides. The matter of fact is, Pep played the formation that he thought he was going to play against us in the final, changing pieces. We obviously changed some pieces, but at the end of the day, these three points are huge for the top four. So. Mm -hmm. That's what I'd rather talk about. Not, not so much the the reserve team part, but the fact that no matter who's on the field, they're fighting for, for the badge. So uh, speaking of top four, we are sitting very nice and pretty in third place, 64 points. Um, if you've been living under thank a you, rock. Thank you, Newcastle. Yeah. <laughs> if you, thank, you, thank you very much, Newcastle. I was going to say, if you're living under a rock and you didn't know that West Ham lost earlier today as well uh, – Courtesy of Everton. Thank you, Everton. Uh, so they dropped the fifth place. Leicester dropped the fourth. And um, now it looks like we are comfortably uh, in the top four. So it's not guaranteed, Andres. That's the main thing. There's still a lot of tough games right. to go. We still got to play Leicester. So there are some banana peels that are still out there. Arsenal coming up on Wednesday, which we'll get to a little later. But in terms of uh, good fortune for Chelsea, everything – that was out of our control that could have helped us in our favor did this weekend. So that's always a good thing. Um, 
So just kind of diving into the team, man, um, I, I think we should talk about Timo. He obviously deserves a special segment on this podcast. So um, I think uh, I think his performance in this game was it's highly influential, as always. Granted, he didn't get the goal um, like he did against Madrid, but he still chips in in other ways. He gets that assist, great wing play, um, great cross as well. Um, so just some just some basic stats on him. Uh, Timo Werner has the joint most goals at Chelsea, tied for most assists. He has the most shots, most shots on target, most penalties won, most fouls won in the final third, most touches in the opposition box, and over 1,000 offside calls. Yeah. <laughs> his, his finishing while he's offside is impeccable. And, you know, you, you're giving a lot of praise, and that's great. But well deserved. those offsides are just so obnoxious. They are. They are. But at the same time, it's a consequence of the way he plays. I mean, he in this game specifically, we've, we've seen Timo deployed a bunch of different ways, right? But in this game specifically, it was clear. The peel off that back shoulder. That was but the in only May, direction in, he had. In May, you can't have, what, like eight offsides in one game? Like It was excessive. It was excessive because he can outrun Ruben Diaz and Nathan Ake with his eyes closed feet tied together like somebody needs to remind him he's even just because you can't score right now doesn't mean that you're not the fastest guy on the pitch and and the one that pissed me off most wasn't one where he was on the foot race it was the one where he didn't care to get back on side that's what really yeah yeah he had a lot of time dude And, and and i think that's what got me on that one I don't think it's laziness. I think it's just a lack of awareness. I, I think in that position, I don't know if he had a brain fart. Maybe he didn't realize that he had that much time. I don't know. Um, Black Emoji asked us a question. He said, is the offside rule different in Germany? Uh, I'm pretty sure it's not. I just think uh, Timo was having a stinker only in that respect. I think it was – look, Tuchel even said after the match that um, – that he was so influential and that he he was actually questioned on Timo going another game and, you know, obviously not scoring. And Tuchel's like, I don't think we should necessarily focus on that. He ran his socks off. I think he said he ran like a dog. So the effort was there. I think it was clear that the influence on the match was there as well. I don't want to just say effort because that's kind of not giving him enough credit. But, um, Ron, uh, Ron wanted to pitch in again. He said, say what we want about him, but Timo did get another assist. He kind of proves my point there, Ron, with that tweet. Um, so just kind of following up on that um, and considering what Tuchel did say in his post-match. I know I, I, know I allude to those post-match press conferences a lot, Andres, but is he, is he Tuchel's most important attacker? He seems like – I know he's been out of the squad at some point, um, dropped completely actually, but brought back in, and um, I don't see – are starting 11 without him in it right now, to be completely honest. Uh, no, Mason Mount is still our most important attacker. Mm-hmm. I Mason Mount is still number one for me. And, and even after Mason Mount, I think it's a tight race between Havertz and, and Timo based on the fact that they both get picked so often. I think if, if you're looking at what have you done for me lately, I would probably put Pulisic in that same horse race. But, but I think... I think Mountain's still clearly number one. Yes, Werner has the ten, the most goals and most assists, but then again, he's also been given the most time to get those out of anybody in that forward position. So he better, 
that's not to discredit what he's done, but I still think Mount is is the most important attacker. He got a nice break in this one. We didn't need him to beat this rotated Manchester City side, but you can bet your ass that Mount's going to start in the Champions League final. Oh, yeah, of course. I, I, I think the point about Timo is us as fans, I mean, look where we're at right now. Um, and the performances that he's given us, granted, the goals and assists aren't there. I, I just think I think a lot of the criticism is a little unfair. Um, I know we brought him in to be this 25 goals and assists per season type of player, and that's not necessarily how it panned out this year. Not saying it can't next year, the year after, whatever. Because um, because we've seen this happen with Drogba, where you come in and your first season you struggle. You, try to find your footing you have good performances here and there you struggle here and there and then boom all of a sudden you explode and become this world beater i think yeah, Timo, I, mean, I think timo just, still has that capability 100 percent. but i also don't think that he's a flop whatsoever and i that that's what i'm trying to get at and to use an example that's not chelsea related yeah. draw cancelo last year was awful for manchester city and then now he's arguably along with ruben diaz their players of the season what so, about it? What what about uh that guy from Leicester, uh, Hey Anacho, Kalechi Hey Anacho? I took him a couple more, more than just Co- one season. Couple, well, yeah, but but it's another example of if you know if you're given the game time and 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 you find your footing within that system and within if, that if team. If Jamie Vardy boom, is hurt, you explode. Somebody else has to score. Uh, Vardy has Vardy scored two goals in his last 22 matches. I saw somewhere. So I, I, you know, regardless of the injury, he's just not scoring this season. I think Hey Anacho has more goals than him. But anyways, this is a Chelsea podcast. Um, I want to move on to the next player. Um, this is someone me and you have talked about a lot, Andres. Uh, we were kind of resigned to the fact that, you know, he might be better off elsewhere. Hakeem Ziyech. Yeah. I uh, I don't really – oh, sorry. I, I, I just don't really know where to – or how to describe how I feel about him because for 90% of this performance, I was frustrated. He doesn't. He's not the type of winger that takes players on. Uh, he doesn't run at people. He doesn't necessarily terrorize defenses like a Pulisic does or like a Cho did when he came on today. Um, he doesn't have that 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 factor about him. That pace. That that velocity. The strength with the ball at his feet. He's more of a silky smooth type guy. And for me in this game, he just seemed to get bumped off the ball really easily. Um, positionally, he receives the ball really deep in positions where he can't really impact or influence the game. And at times, he does seem kind of like a one-trick pony. It, we know he's going to shift the ball to his left foot, and he's going to look to place play it over the top. Um, but just kind of going through his stats, because he did come up with that important goal, which wound up um, you know, spearheading our comeback. And again, even though the performance as a whole wasn't good, Andres, this is another important game where he gets a goal. And we can forget about bad performances when players score goals, right? I don't think Ziyech uh, is an exception to that rule. So obviously he had the goal on the game, three shots on target in total, 31 out of 34 uh, passes completed, uh, one key pass, and four out of four dribbles completed. Now, these are from SofaScore, these stats. So I don't know where they're pulling the four out of four dribbles completed from. I didn't see any dribbles being completed, but those are the stats I pulled. So um, obviously, Andres, it's a a big goal in a game where he didn't – the, I mean, the stats show otherwise. The stats show that he played well. For me, in my opinion, I didn't really see it. What did you see? Yeah, this this performance has, you know, when we were, I can't remember what season. I'm I'm probably 
maybe it was under sorry maybe it was under Conte where he would have he as in uh, I'm gonna use Marcus Alonso as the example awful game but then he would score a big goal and I think that's what Ziyech did here I mean the guy has if, if we look at the whole season as a whole if, if you ask me to clip one minute of highlights of Ziyech and all I get is one minute of film, you'll think, oh, this guy has to be the best player. He scored against Man City in the, here, against the FA Cup, against Man City, against Atletico Madrid. I mean, the guy scores against big teams, but the level of performance on those matches is like up or down, up and down, up and down. You, you can't get a full read. He just seems so uninterested at times. Like you mentioned, he the ball, the game has to come to him for him to perform. And and in a team that's so full of grit and fight, it he stands out as a, like a sore thumb. You mentioned he doesn't Where really make the runs. He, he doesn't make the, the, the runs in behind. He, you don't see him really fighting to win the ball back and, and, and slowing down the tempo at times that you probably shouldn't be while you're in transition. And it just doesn't make sense to me. But then, then he does what he did. Out of nowhere, he has a perfect volley outside the box off a pass from Aspie, which shout out to Aspie. I don't know if we're talking about him later, but now he's the most assists as a defender for Chelsea in, in Premier League history. Uh, but Ziyech, it's just, it, it's, a, it's just, uh, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't want, I, uh, it, it's just Tuchel puts him in. Right. And I think, man, Pulisic should have started or sorry. Uh, my bad. Someone like Havertz or even Mount should have started instead of him. And then I'm thinking, well, Tuchel's proven right because he scored. And he does this. This isn't the only guy that this happens with. You know, we have sometimes we're like, wait, why is Aspie at wing back? And then Aspie puts in a 10 out of 10. So I don't know, man. I don't know what to think of Ziyech. I think he, he wasn't a big-time purchase. So he's one of those guys where – if for some reason we have to cash in on him sooner than later, I'm not going to lose like sleep over it. But at the same time, we keep him. I'm also not going to be bothered by it. I, I just don't know anymore. Yeah. I, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence with him, man, because again, we, we, we can't sit here and complain that he's scoring goals in, in important games for us. I mean, two goals in two appearances against city or in his last two appearances against city, it, where do you begin an argument there? So I kind of feel stupid saying that, oh, um, I didn't really like his performance today. But man, or yesterday rather, I, I watched a game, I watched the second half back, and you know, leading up to his goal, he just didn't have his fingerprints all over the game like a Pulisic did or like a Werner did or even a Billy Gilmore in this game. Or a um, Cho off the bench. Cho off the bench has been amazing. I want to get to him, but a little later because uh, he has his own special segment too. Um, Billy the Goat Gilmore, Andres. I want to talk about him. Yes, please. He comes in uh, after not playing too much football this season. Tuchel said when he first came in, he's not going to send him out on loan. He sees him as an important part of the team. He gets the West Ham nod. Um, you know, struggles in that game. But gets the nod here, Andres, and I think he held his own. Um, 70 of 76 passes completed, two key passes on a day, two of three long balls. Um, defensively, there was a struggle um, for him. I, I, I think that that's the big obvious in his game. And obviously, uh, as a result, 
He gave away the penalty to Gabriel Jesus. That was weak. It's a soft penalty. But Extremely. By, but by definition... Gabriel Jesus' eyebrows sold it. It's a soft penalty, but by definition, it's still a penalty. Yeah. Right? Or yeah. am I crazy? Yeah, no, I, mean, I don't know. I agree. I agree that I agree that you don't you don't call that. Period. And one, uh, Gabriel Jesus, he was swinging at the ball, but how far away was the ball from him? He had no chance of getting anywhere near it. So that's where my like qualms were with with the whole penalty call. But um, Trail Wolf had a question for us, which I think is an interesting one. Um, do you think Billy Gilmore has a good shot at making the Euro squad? after his recent appearances uh, for Chelsea? Um, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know enough about the squad that Scotland usually puts out. I'm trying to look at the list of midfielders. It looks like, I mean, he's competing with a Sheffield United midfielder and John Fleck. That's questionable. They haven't had the greatest season. Ryan Jack from Rangers is injured. You could say that McGinn and McTominay are the two that are for sure going to make it. Well, McGinn's but I think awesome. That I love, I love watching him. Again. I, yeah. You asked me about a month ago, and I'd say, uh, unfortunately, the kid's not going to make it. But it's always there's always that one guy that gets in for, for picking up form late. And, I mean, our our, our match fixture list is, is pretty tight to, to go into the end of the month leading up to the Champions League. So I wouldn't say that this is the last time we see Billy Gilmore either. So there is another potential match that he can get into and, and display what he did today. You mentioned his defensive game. I think he grew into the game. I think that he was being targeted at first by City, thinking he would be a weakness. But he, again, adjusted. And I thought he was solid, as he has been every time he starts. He, so, has, really, he has really great spatial awareness of where the defender is. Like yep. uh, in terms of where he takes his first touch, I noticed a lot, a lot of times in this game, he takes his first touch directly ahead of him, just straight ahead, because he knows that the defenders are closing down from him at the angles, and the only space is straight ahead, and he just knows that that space is behind him when he's receiving ball to feet, and he just naturally makes this, he, you know, he's kind of like Kovacic in that you know low center of gravity where he's able to receive the ball on the turn really quickly, and then boom, he's off. Now he's facing the other side of the pitch, so. <laughs> And that's super important. I mean, coaches, yeah. I remember growing up, coaches always tell me in midfield, especially when you play in the center, your first touch isn't just to stop the ball's track. It has so to already have a purpose. It needs to be and, away from the defender. And and one thing that, you know, Billy Gilmore does a lot, like you mentioned that he does that well, is the biggest complaint I had for someone like uh, Loftus-Cheek when he first started making his break into the first team under Mourinho, that it took him – five, six touches to do something that players that were ready for the top level, it would take two to three. So yeah. for him to, at 19 years old, be displaying something like that against Manchester City, regardless of whether it's a rotated side or not, really speaks to his potential. Yeah, I, overall, I love his game. Um, but Kendall Higo wants to know, yay or nay on the Gilmore stash? Oh, it's a huge nay. Yeah, unfortunately. You got to get... You got to get a little more scruff in there. You got to fill it in a little more. I think that's what it is. It's the density. Yeah, it's too thin. It's looking yeah. like a, I don't even know, like a naked mole rat. It's what do back. they call it here? Like peach fuzz? Isn't that the, <laughs> if yeah. that. Yeah. 
Um, what about the defensive side of his game, though? Um, statistically, he didn't put up any defensive numbers. I, I noticed, and again, I always raise this concern when Billy Gilmore comes up. I have no problem with him playing in a midfield three because we can, you know, we can add a little more size to kind of offset his lack of size and physicality. But I think it kind of showed in this game. I mean, I don't, I don't think that City was really trying to attack up the middle, though. No, no, I don't think they were. But any time it got to the point where he had to engage in a challenge or a 1v1 where a City player was in possession running at him, he had no chance. It just never seemed like he had a chance to nick the ball off anybody. And, and, maybe, and maybe that's a lack of game time. Maybe that's a lack of that match fitness we talk about where you're like up to the pace of the game. And that does include, and everybody that's played knows this, it's not only the attacking side that you have to get up to speed with, it's the defensive side as well. When to press, your timing, you know, when to when to stick a foot out, when not to... You put in silly challenges coming cold off the bench. Just ask Kurt Zuma, right? Yeah, I, I just... I mean, I get that. that. That might be one thing. I just don't think City was trying to go up the middle of the pitch yeah. either. I mean, he it, it looked like he... he it sounds... it Based on stats, because I, I can't remember the full match overall into what he was doing but he attempted one tackle which and i remember specifically rodri was the one player in the middle and ferron torres and raheem sterling were quote-unquote center mids but they were so far up and mendy on the left and Kinsel on the right were also so wide they mm. were never they were trying to avoid angolo conte at all costs and i think that with that caveat gilmore wasn't going to see much of the ball defensively yeah I, I don't think I don't think that this performance at all hurts his stock whatsoever. I think it raises it, if anything. He played 90 minutes against City. He held his own. He was uh, he was he was accurate with his passing. He didn't give the ball away. Um, and he and gave Andres, up a penalty and didn't hang his head. He did give up a penalty. We'll give him that. But yeah, but exactly. He didn't hang up his head. He didn't hang Any his other head. kid could many, just moan. Exactly. How many young players like that? No, no, not only moan. They put their head down and they just completely lose confidence in themselves. I mean. Anyways, um, shout out to Billy Gilmore. Um, let's have our man of the match uh, debate here. So we're just going to kind of highlight a few players that played really well. I think the first one that needs mentioning is Reese James, more specifically Reese James, uh, second half Reese James. 88% pass accuracy, two key passes, won seven duels and uh, two tackles. And Andres, I mean, we, we both saw – how he was completely dominating that right flank in the second half. Yeah, the the adjustment to to have our our not fullbacks, our wingbacks push up a little higher was the difference between the first and the second half. And he was just Mendy had to body check him to prevent him from from making runs. The referee didn't quite catch it, but Reese would do the, the quick pass inside and he was going to be off to the races and, and there was always a body in his way before he could make a straight line run. I thought he was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It was really good in this game. Um, especially when Cho came on, they work really well together. Um, so, so, so obviously that's one option. We'll keep it in, uh, in our back pocket. Next up, Marcus Alonso, um, 85% pass accuracy, two key passes, two shots on target, obviously the match winner. He also won seven duels as well, Andres. You know, with Marcus Alonso, granted he does score the goal, he does score g great goals for us and also important goals for us. Um he was he actually put in a shift defensively. Seven no. goals one on the day. Not too shabby for a Marcus Alonso. 
I, I agree with that. I think he he had a he had a different role to play in this match because on the left side, whether it was Ziyech or Pulisic, they were staying super wide up the left. So Alonso was playing more as the quote unquote ad side ten than those guys themselves. But yeah, he for a guy that also hasn't played much recently because Chilwell has owned the left side. I thought he looked, you know, not rusty. I don't know what the opposite of that is, but I thought he looked good. I thought he had a good game. I Not once did I think, ah, oh, damn it, he's not positionally in the right place or anything like that, which against City, you would think that would be the case. You would be hard-pressed to find a better backup wing back than Marcus Alonso, left wing back than Marcus Alonso. Granted, you'll be hard-pressed to find a better left wing back, period, than Marcus Alonso. I, I don't think there's very many in world football that do what he does better than him. Um, and, and to kind of bounce off what you said, Andres, I think that's part of the reason why I love that man is because he, he doesn't have to play every week for him to necessarily stay in form or stay match fit. He could kind of be in and out of the squad like this, come in against a team like City, and not only play the full 90, but put in a shift and also getting a, getting the match winners just like icing on the cake, obviously. But how many guys, let alone in the Premier League, but but in Europe, have that ability to do that? Coming in against the top team, cold turkey, boom, you put in a shift like that. And now all of a sudden you're, you're as part of the man of the match conversation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you score the winner in the 90th minute against City, it's it hard not good. to put him there. And, and again, I, I alluded earlier to how Lonzo used to have these performances where he scored, but we could be like, man, he was still so bad. Well, that's not the case here yeah. today. I thought I thought he did well. Again, he he has a more of a marauding wing back role than a strict wide man, but he's good at it. And you kind of let him play to his strengths when you put him on, and you know that he's going to, you know, sh- go forward extremely quickly and potentially not as quickly back, but Again, he he hid his deficiencies well in this game. I thought he he played pretty well. Yeah, and and who knows if he actually touched the ball on that goal or if it was Cho. It, <laughs> it was wasn't him. it wasn't it clean was contact him. whatsoever. But oh, it well, went again, in. when are That's you? That's all I give a fuck about. Right no, no, no. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't care because it, when you're making a run like that and the ball's coming in at that pace, all you got to do is time it right and get a foot on it. Yeah, And as long as it's on frame, it's going in. And I think that's what happened with him. Whether it was a foot, a shin, a knee, a pinky toe, I don't give a fuck. We beat Man City. Um, and, and so here's the last pick. We're going to keep Alonzo in our back pocket as well. Um, Andres, this is my pick for man of the match. And maybe you can chime in if you agree or uh, or give us your take on who is. I think it was Dave. Um, on the game, he had 10 duels won, which is, which is insane. Um, 91% pass accuracy, six tackles, three clearances, two interceptions, and the match-winning assist to Marcus Alonso. No, that was that. No, he had the assist to to Ziyech, the winning. Oh, assist oh, oh, oh excuse, me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. It was the match-winning yeah. assist, or no? Yeah. It wasn't. That was no, it was the it was a match time to lead assist. the. That was to lead to the to the comeback. It ignited yeah, yeah. the comeback. My bad, my bad. So thanks for the correction. But anyways, um. You know, we saw him playing wing back against Real Madrid. It seemed like Tuchel liked his experience out there, especially against, you know, a player like Hazard. Um, now Reese James comes in for rotation sake. Dave, Dave shifts back out to uh, the right center back position. And now he reminds everybody of how good of a right center back he is. Because last podcast, we were talking about how great of a right wing back he is. What a fucking player, man. I think, I think Dave 
um, might be one of the most underappreciated footballers of his generation, both nationally and in terms of club recognition. Like, granted, he's our, he is our team captain, but he doesn't get the plaudits and the credit that he actually does deserve. I think we've been shitting on him the last season or two since he became captain for having, like, you know, this lack of leadership that seemed to be missing from the team. Obviously, we got Thiago Silva in, but the more I'm seeing this team perform and the more I'm seeing Dave at the forefront of those performances, the more I'm believing that Dave is actually a great captain. What do you I think mean, about that? I mean, today's performance kind of shows it, right? Or yep. not today. This was yesterday. But we were down. We were about to be down 2 nothing at half. Uh, bar a very bad penalty from Aguero. And in the first half, it, you could have argued that this game was, was not ours. And he leads that first assist. And then, you know, after that, it gets very back and forth, back and forth at 1-1. And for him to put in, I think he finished the match, if I'm not mistaken. For him mm-hmm. to be able to to finish out the full match after the Madrid performance and after the amount of matches he's been playing, like you said, at wingback, which is a lot more demanding. Let's not forget he tore his hamstring at the end of last season. Yeah, in the same match as Pulisic. That's right. Yep. So, yeah, I think he today was a very solid captain's performance. And again, a rotated side, missing other more vocal leaders on the pitch. This is a big one for Dave. Yeah. I think uh I think the best part about it was uh him and Mason Mount leaving Stanford Bridge after the match. Um and uh th- this was Dave honking uh th- 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 was this after the Real match, I believe? Right? No, Andres? no, no. This was after this match. Or or it was after this match, yeah. So a bunch of fans surround Mason Mount's car. They see Mount driving and Dave is in the front seat. And, you know, you know, they start they start messing with them and, you know, they're chanting and singing and everyone's happy. And Mason Mouth's kind of looking at him like, uh, OK, get off my car, guys. Like, <laughs> let's go. You know, he kind of looked a little uncomfortable for a sec. And you look at Dave in the front seat, smiling ear to ear, leans over and starts honking on Mason Mouth's horn. And everybody goes nuts around him. And you see Dave in the car going, yeah, he's honking the horn. <laughs> It is it is the best thing I've seen all year from Chelsea. Besides the fans protesting outside the bridge and you know making that whole like fuck the Super League happen, this was this was so great to see. And might I add, Andres, Dave showing future captain leader legend Mason Mount how to keep the fans happy. I think you're looking way into it. <laughs> no, I think man. Aspie I'm is gonna, not I'm driving. Gonna... It's not his car. And he's happy, so he's just messing around. I, I do not see this as a captain think, thing by any means. I think Aspie was just in a very good mood. Mount, for some reason, is driving him home anyway. So he's just like, fuck it. It's not my car. The fans are happy. Loosen up, Mason. That's it. I don't see this as a leadership lesson. I'm going to force that agenda if it kills I can me. see that. You're really digging <laughs> here. You could, you could work for the sun. Mason Mount is my captain in FIFA. I made him captain day one. I'm like, that's it. I, I don't need to look no further than this guy. He's my man. 
No. Um, so, so in terms of man of the match, Andres, I mean, we only named off three, obviously there's a bunch of others. Timo could have got a, could have gotten a mention, um, you know, uh, Conte possibly as well. Who, who was your man of the match? It was Aspie. Yeah, me too. Agreed. So, you know, we don't really talk about Tuchel all that much. I think we talk a lot about the players, but good Lord. I do not have any more love for this man than like like I I, I don't think I could love him more than I do. I don't think it's humanly possible for that to happen. I, my fiance is jealous. It's gotten to that point. Um, th- I'm just gonna list off these managers that Tuchel has beaten since taking charge of Chelsea. I'm sure everyone's seen this list, but it's worth flexing. Diego Simeone two times, Pep Guardiola two times, Carlo Ancelotti, Jose Mourinho. Jurgen Klopp, Zinedine Zidane. Interesting, yeah. Andres. I see I mean, three of the top five managers in world football on that list. I see, in my opinion, the three top managers in world football on that list. And Google's tapped that ass of each and every one. So <laughs> how much do you love this guy? I, I, Like, come on, man. He... Yeah, I mean, I I don't know what to say besides the fact that he's probably in form the best manager in the world right now. Since he came on, since he came on, I I don't know who has a better record. I really don't. I think after beating City, we might be on par. He's lost, what, one match? One match. He's lost one match, and every week we sit here and say, we're not going to criticize Tuchel yet because he hasn't made a mistake. And here we are, what, over 100 days after his appointment with one loss on his record since he came here, which everyone could agree is an absolute fluke. I'm I'm on fucking cloud nine with this guy. Um, I don't think he could do anything wrong. And even when we think that there's something, you know, behind the scenes that might be going wrong, hey, where the fuck is Cho? Tuchel's like, here he is. He's been improving in training. Boom. Lights the game on fire. After the match ends, everyone's like, Cho needs more game time. I hope Tuchel needs more game time. What does Tuchel do? The first player he walks up to when the final whistle blows, Cho. He get he says a little word in his ear. Nice He's little coaching word of encouragement. He's... He smacks him upside the head, gives him a nice little playful shove, and says, come on, son. Good match. Like, that's the type of manager... And, and, and the type of management that we have been missing, man. And even when we think something's going on behind the scenes and we speculate and we read all these tweets, you know, we follow all these Twitter pages with thousands of followers and we believe everything they say. And we think there's all these issues going on behind the scenes. And Tuchel's like, nope, here's Cho, 14 minutes of absolute brilliance. And I'm also going to give him a nice big hug smack in the middle of the pitch right in front of NBC's camera so the whole world could see, fuck you, there's nothing wrong. <laughs> I love uh, and, this guy, man. And, and to, to to go even further, I know I mentioned earlier, like, man, like, why the hell did he pick Ziyech? Ziyech scores. Pulls yep. Ziyech, which you think, why would you take him out? He just scored. And then the next guy comes, and he's part of the, the run-up leading to the winning goal. Mm. He was that, an instant impact. He yep. could have brought in Havertz. He could have brought in somebody else. But, no, he picked Cho. And, and it just – I just feel like he gets these sort of situations right almost every time. Andres, would we ever see Billy uh, – okay, we did see Billy Gilmore start against Liverpool and beat them. 
But we had Billy Gilmore starting against Man City. We beat them. We had guys like Rudiger, guys like Dave, um, all of these players sitting on the periphery of Frank Lampard and prior managers. Tuchel comes in, revi revives their career, makes them the centerpieces of his team. The first thing he says when he takes charge of Chelsea is, I'm going to make this team very, very difficult to play against. Nobody is going to want to play against us. He is a man of his word. I haven't seen him say anything yet and not back it up. Yeah, um, right. he and I mentioned this when we hired him. Tuchel yeah. had something to prove upon being hired at Chelsea. Mm -hmm. He got fired from his previous job. He only spent a year and a half there, and and people say PSG is one of the easiest jobs. He came out to prove that I am a great manager. He brought again. Chelsea was mid table at best, an Aston Villa clutch match this on Sunday could have pushed us to a second place race. Yeah. Had, had United slipped that. this Sunday, we could have essentially said, Oh, we could push United for second place. That's wild. Absolutely wild. We are in two cup finals. We beat again, a rotated Chelsea beating a rotated city is still an accomplishment. <laughs> they have the best squad in Europe. Side, Come on. Yeah, yeah. Their rotated side is still quote unquote stronger than ours. It's just 100%. unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, another thing I want to mention about him in this game that I noticed and I picked up on, I don't know if you did as well. Um, you know, when, when he benched uh, Pulisic for Real Madrid, we were all kind of up in arms about that. And then Kai Havertz puts in that performance. Um, and we're like, okay, Pulisic came off the bench, did his bit. Did he not use Cho the same exact way that he used Pulisic against Real Madrid? I mean, yeah, it's... Carbon copy, throwing them on late in the game. Hey, they're getting a little fatigued. Fill in those channels every time you receive the ball. Run at them. I want I want every single defender on their back heel, and that's exactly what that's exactly what Cho did. And I think that's something that um that uh that that Tuchel could use in the future, maybe even next season. Um, maybe dropping Mason Mount into one of the pivots later in matches, and and throwing on Cho as that right winger to kind of wreak havoc like he did. That's an option, something we could look at. Um, but uh, just one last thing before we kind of move on from this match. Um, it was all positive, Andres, but there was one uh, thing that did make it bittersweet. It was Christensen coming off injured. Um, so obviously grabbing the back of his leg just before the half. I think the big concern here is not only the fact that he's been phenomenal for us and uh, you know one of the standout players – since Tuchel came in, um, but it was the fact that he walked off very, very gingerly, and I'm not a medical expert or anything like that, and I don't necessarily want to speculate, but it didn't look like a short-term pull. It looked like a pretty uh -huh. bad one because he couldn't really walk off completely on his own power like other you see other players do when they have that kind of pull. So... I read something today. I'm trying to pull it up as quickly as possible. Again, I, but I, I could be wrong. I'm not a doctor. Yeah, yeah. I read something that uh, regarding the injury where it was something like he it, it shouldn't be long-term. Okay. Yeah, Tuchel I said hopefully go. it's not. I mean, obviously we hope that's the case. But it does pose some interesting selection headaches for Tuchel. And selection headaches are always a good thing because that means you have options. So – 
um, assuming he is out for the foreseeable. Um, I think the two obvious switches would be um, Dave going to center back and Reese at right wing back. Um, or if he's really sold on Dave playing right wing back, you could introduce Zuma into the back three on the right hand side. Um, uh, I don't know if we're quite there yet. Exactly. I so think. We're I all mean, if agreement. we're going to talk about Zuma, he did give up a. He should have given up awful. a penalty that ruined our three point chase there. But to his defense, Sterling should have had a red card in the first half, going cleats up on Timo Werner twenty ish minutes in. So yeah. it's it's balanced it's he was balanced. bad he was bad but then he did have that one tackle which was before the that, well, that was before the red card yeah, shout. Before. exactly um okay so we're all in agreement we think reese james needs to play wing back i think that's kind of a no-brainer yeah um all right well we got some twitter questions um first off russell saunders the world's biggest troll man i love this guy he says are you sad that there's no belgian player to talk about in this match yeah, I am. You know, if De Bruyne played, it would have been nice. We could have brought up Hazard in that conversation somehow. Um, <laughs> next question coming from the Vanilla Gorilla. He said, or it's not even a question. It's more like a comment. He said, more Conte voice, please. I, listen, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to do that again. I got to ask Salvador Adres if it's okay. Um, I, I feel Our like lawyer I isn't in the podcast today, so uh, we plead the fifth. We plead the fifth. Yeah, see, that. See, that's the thing. I I felt like I was borderline uh, cancellation material. Um, next question coming from Vigil Bruin. This is an actual real question for you, Andres. He says, three games in six days coming next. Do we feel the, quote, cup team for the FA final or the FA cup final since top four is still not sewn up? Uh, let's see. No. I don't I, think so. Yeah, I say we just put out our strongest. Yeah, we we play we play Arsenal midweek. I think you'll still see you know the guys that have been running up the minutes might get pulled off first. I think Mason Mount gets a run out. He can run a ninety and and then come back on on Saturday. But I I don't see. I mean Leicester's not looking good. We I don't want to say anything to jinx the Arsenal match, but it's Arsenal Leicester and Aston Villa. And then it's the Champions League. And Villa, I don't even know where they are at the table anymore. Like, I, I really don't. They've, they're in 11th. They're safe. Arsenal's they're in 9th. Yeah, they're both safe. They're, okay, great. They're safe. So they have nothing really to play for. I mean, they were up 1-0 yeah. on United, and they were quick to turn that around to 3-1. So it... The fact that it took a Bertrand Traore goal for them to even score in this match, I, I'm i not worried about Villa. There's no Grealish threat right now. So. All right, so we play our strongest team in the FA Cup final? Yes, yes, you have to. There we you go. win the trophy. <laughs> That's Tuchel the short version. Sorry. Tuchel no, basically good. said we don't just make finals. We're in a club that's in the business of winning finals. If there's a trophy in front of you, you do everything you can to win it. I don't care what trophy's behind it. That's how I see it. Um, next question from Prash. Um, which player would you target in the summer and why? I like this question. No, I'll so, tell you. Oh, go for it. I have an answer real quick. My number one target, and I swear, I don't have any priority ahead of this guy. I want Marquinhos. Oh, I was going to say that, man. Defensive Damn center, it. mid, center back. That's it. I don't Damn need it. any... I, 
That's it. That's priority number one. I Lukaku was is say, staying. There it is. Yeah. Lukaku is staying, and Holland Dorman is very adamant that he's staying until his release clause next summer. Go for freaking Marquinhos. We need a center mid, and there there keeps being rumors about center backs. That fills both roles. I love Marquinhos. Another leadership call by the player. A hundred percent. That's a guy that's like. If he if he picks up English quickly, he's 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 might be grabbing the armband. He's got Jorginho and Diago Silva. He's gonna be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll be fine. Um, but again, that's like a world class player that you bring in. That's someone that oh man, I mean, we're in a Champions League final this year. Imagine if you introduce a player like that into this squad as well. And it's not only the defensive thing. The guy scores goals too. It's like every corner kick that Threatened, hits his head yeah, goes yeah. in the back of the net. Yeah. Um, the other player I was going to mention here on just same position, Rafa Varane. I don't know what the hell his situation is at Madrid. I don't know what the hell Madrid is doing. At this point, Florentino Perez is on every single sort of heavy drug known to man because he's so disassociated from anything that's relatively similar to reality. He wants I, – I don't know what the, what, what the issue is. Everything I'm reading is saying that um, Real are willing to let Varane go. There's a year left on his contract, right? Um, that is arguably they signed Alaba, if not better than Varane, if you ask me. Yeah, see, that's the thing. They signed Alaba, so you're like, okay, here, Rafa, this is the player that you're gonna be playing with for the next six or seven years. If I was him, I'd be like, okay, I don't think there's many or very many players that are better that you could bring in that I'll play next to. But again, we don't know what his situation is. So that's another guy that could come in as good, if not better, of a signing than Marquinhos. One thing I think is interesting, Andres, none of us mentioned a midfielder or an attacker. I mean, I, I'm counting Marquinhos as a center mid. I I think that's where he would step into uh, immediately. If we are, if, if Tuchel truly is trying to go to that 4-2-4 formation that he used a lot at PSG and, and even at Dortmund, what better guy next to Conte than a guy that can do both the defensive and uh, the transitioning? I mean, that would be quite the the pivot if, the pivot. if you can count I don't that in the four two four. I don't think anyone scores on us ever. If that's our pivot, who the hell dribbles past that that midfield? Oh my god, I'm dreaming, man. Next question we have. Um, I think it's a first time question. From at Baroque Brunch, a.k.a. Barry Brunch. Shout out to Barry. Thanks for the question. Uh, he says, and I like this. I like the way he claims <laughs> it. What is the victorious lineup on May 29th? And will there be a watch party in L.A.? So, uh, Andres, I, I'll answer the L.A. part, and we can talk about the lineup part together. Uh, Barry, I am actually not going to be in L.A. during the final. Unfortunately, I'm going to be in San Diego. I don't know what Psalm's doing, but yeah, you could slide into DMs and uh, and hit us up, and and maybe yeah. Psalm will let you know where he's going. I, for the final I'll give you the proper pub. answer since Psalm's not here and Zach is lame. Hit up our rep Ultra Ron, aka Bone Daddy Cool. He will tell you what bar has all the Chelsea fans. I'm assuming he commented. He commented on our questions tweet. You could just find his uh, handle yeah, there. Yeah, he'll him or or find the LA Chelsea Blues. I'm sure your nearest chapter will have quite quite the scene. I I'll be 
I was originally going to be joining Austin Blues, but I have a friend from Mexico flying in on that day to Houston by coincidence. So I will be with the Bayou City Blues instead. So look for your local chapter. Get there early. Start pouring the blue shots. It, it, you have to go make join the community. If you're vaccinated, if, if you're feeling good about your situation, COVID-related, find the nearest Chelsea chapter and go watch with them. If not, join one over Zoom, but but do not do this alone. Yeah, you can't do it alone, man. That's something you definitely can't do it alone. I'm so excited. Um, but yeah, the I mean, lineup. I'm sorry. I, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. I forgot that part. Uh, so, keeper. So let's let's start with the players that need to be in it. Mason Mount. Well, let's right? just go in order. Keeper. Okay. Go. Mandy. Agreed. The three center backs. Dave on the right. Ooh, see, I was going to put Dave at wingback. Oh. I was going the the Rudiger, Thiago, Christians, and back three. I think I think I want Dave back there um, because Kevin De Bruyne has been playing this false nine position. And like him and Mars and Foden, they all just kind of switch off playing that nine. And I think that's uh, I, I think that's right up Dave's alley. I think he'll be able to track those runs better. But I don't know. I mean – I'm okay with Christensen there, but we saw what Dave did against Man City yesterday, and yeah, you know he he has a really good idea of how that team plays and how to read them. I mean, his experience is going to be crucial back there. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I got to go Dave on the right, but you're still going Christensen. Yeah, I, I like yeah. how they looked against Madrid, both legs. Uh, Thiago Silva. Yes. Yeah, agreed. And Rudiger. And, and Rudiger. Yep. All right. Uh, what ben, about the double pivot? That's the thing. I, you know, Kovacic has been out, so even if he's healthy, I don't even want him coming healthy, right back. Even if he's healthy, I was going in. Jorgolo. Jorgolo. Uh, Hashtag Jorgolo. As Sam said, get it trending. Yeah, get it trending, guys. Um, Left wing ben back. Chilwell, yep. For sure. Uh, right wing back. Me. That's where we differ. I would have put Aspie. I'm assuming you'd have put Reese James. Yeah, I'd put Reese. All right. What's your front three? Mount. Yep. Burner. Okay. Habits. See, I would put Polisic over Burner. I dude, you That's know how much that chance. hurt? Oh god, that hurt. I would put Polisic over Burner. I, I mean Burner. Scored a tap-in against Madrid, but Polisic's impact was crazy. I, I don't see – the only reason why I was okay with it because it was my thought was, okay, it's a two-legged thing. So if Madrid draws, we're going into extra time, and then Polisic is fresh for a full bit of extra time. It's 90 minutes. I want Polisic in. I, I, I'm probably wrong, yeah. but my gosh, I, I think it's Ver, hard not to play. My, my, the thing He'll stay on side. The thinking with Werner is that he's gonna play because he's too, you know, Tuchel's gonna play him. I just don't think Tuchel will drop him. I don't know. Either way, I'm okay. I mean, I I rather it be Pulisic. That's all. My heart wants it to be Pulisic, but my head is telling me that Tuchel's gonna pick Havertz. Um, and then yeah, bring Havertz in, in the middle, the Mount on one side, Pulisic on the other. I wouldn't mind Crystal that. Crystal Palace style, I'm, baby. I'm, I'm saying I wouldn't mind that, but I don't know. 
All right. Um, last question uh, before we move on to our short Arsenal preview, because they don't deserve any of our fucking time, honestly. Uh, at Michael Conan asks, is there any chance that if we win the ch- – I'm going to change this question. I'm going to start this question over, Michael Conan. Is there a chance that when we win the Champions League that Nike would redesign next year's kit? It's quite possibly the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm not going to speak for Nike, but what I am going to say is they need to get their shit together because our first home kit under Nike uh, with this new contract was beautiful. That plain royal blue uh, uh, title winning season under Conte or no. No, it wasn't the title winning yeah, season. Yeah, yeah, it was following yeah. up the, the title winning it, season. It, it was following the title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Second season. Um, I love that kit. And ever since then, we had that stupid paint splatter. And then the paper mache Stanford Bridge looking jersey from you know a couple seasons ago, dude. It, we need we need nice kits. I, I think I think one. this year's kit is okay. The design would be really nice if there wasn't a giant fucking three in the middle of the kit. Everyone's running around in Alonzo kits. That's honestly what it looks like to me. Dude, I. <laughs> I actually really like that stadium kit you're talking about, but I yeah, these next ones, oh, no. just, these next ones are just all over the place, man. I I really don't even know what to think. There's so many different patterns. I it's awful. I don't think they will, but I love you know what Adidas what? did you when know we won what? the Champions League. I do League. want to add. Speaking of kits, and and back to my Nostra Andreasmus predictions. The last time we won the Champions League, our main sponsor was a cell phone company. Oh. Adding that to the equation. Interesting. Interesting. I think I, I really liked what Adidas did when we won the Champions League. They added those gold stripes. That was sick. I, I went out. I was like, I'm definitely getting one right now. And uh, I wound up buying one. Funny story, Andres. They shipped the triple XL. And um, I called them up. I said, hey, you guys sent me the wrong size. And they said, great. Um, we'll send you the correct size. Do you mind sending this one back? I said, sure. And they never sent me the shipping label. So now I have a triple XL and a large. <laughs> same kit. Um, yeah, it's great. If I ever become ex- – like if I ever put on 80 to 100 pounds – I'll still have a Chelsea kit that fits. That's probably that's probably the only piece of clothing I have turn, that's guaranteed. Turn it to into fit. like a what do they call the those? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like uh whatever the yeah I don't know what they yeah. call it. What they sew stuff into blankets, whatever. Yeah, dude. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, totally. Uh, no, I don't. Uh, moving on to Os- <laughs> to Arsenal to Arsenal. I'm British now. Um, they're obviously our next opponents coming up on Wednesday. Ninth in the table. They've won three of their last six. They're, uh, I think this might be their longest winning streak of the season, two in a row. Um, so look. I don't have any sympathy for Arsenal fans um, in terms of like the way their club is run and their owner not wanting to sell and blah, 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 and this and that. And, uh, you know, picking up our sloppy seconds and they become washed up when they go to Arsenal magically out of nowhere. Um, All of these different things. I have no sympathy for Arsenal fans. So I'm just going to go ahead and lay out my prediction on a table, Andres. I think this is a a destruction in the making. 
I'm going 3-0 Chelsea. This is this is another one of those Chelsea Arsenal matches that we're going to look back years from now and be like, well, why, why, why can't we just wipe the floor with them like we did uh, in, in, in 2021 when we won the Champions League? A couple weeks before we won the Champions League. I have a feeling it's going to be one of those games. What do you think? <laughs> I hope so. I think they don't really have much to play for anymore. They're out of everything. I And we look really good. I mean, we're in form. It's not one of those things like when we played them in December where I had alluded to the fact that we haven't looked good leading up to it. Yeah, I think we'll be okay. I'll say 2-0 just because, again, I don't think we're very high-scoring squad. I want to see Havertz in this game. Um, I want to see Havertz, Pulisic, and Mount. I want to see that front three. I think I have a feeling if we play that front three, good lord, there's no way they're tracking that movement. Granite Xhaka and and David Luiz, the two biggest brain fart defenders in world football, arguably. Imagine them tracking those three runners. There's just no chance in hell. So if they if they if they play three nil. If not, I'll go 2-0 with Andres. I think that's a solid result. I, I think Cho deserves a start, whether it's oh, a wingback yeah. or the front three. So Good I think out. he'll have a, a nice a nice little performance. And again, I mentioned it uh, maybe like three or four podcasts ago that I wanted to see Cho deployed at wingback in games that are there for the taking where we can be really, really offensive. And I think this is one of them. Maybe Mount at the pivot. Conte needs a rest. We could bring like a Jorginho and Mount pivot to come in. We'll probably see a Jorginho Kovacic in this one, in my opinion. I would love that. I do. I just want Kovacic is ready. I want Kovacic to come back. Isn't it crazy that we've made we made it through the Champions League semis without last season's Player of the Season? I mean, yeah, a little bit, but yeah, Yeah. it's we're we're doing okay. But I do want him back. Yeah, me too. Hashtag Cobra Crew. We need to bring that one back. But anyways, um, that's the end of this week's episode. So if you're still listening, uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Romans Empire Pod. Same handle applies to our Instagram account as well. I mention it every week. Guys, we have an email address, RomansEmpirePod at gmail.com. We give it out so you can write to us. Tell us how you became Chelsea fans. Ask us a few questions. Let us know how you like the podcast. Even if you want to criticize us. That's cool. You, you can do that. Um, we won't get mad. Um, but yeah, Andres, uh, until we beat Arsenal 3-0, um, keep the blue flag flying high, man.